days at the playground or right out in the street baseball I am Steve Ferroli, and this is the Ted Williams League podcast. I'm sitting here with the foreman, Ryan McDonald, his brother, Dylan McDonald, my old friend, Charlie Bradford, from way back, way back, it's out of here, and Matt Marini, I won't call you on the chat in tonight, and we are in podcast number two. How you doing, fellas? Not bad. How are you? Oh, okay. I'm doing uh, good, Steve. This is Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> I know who you are. I'm excited to talk some baseball tonight. That's it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and we got, you know, just as a reminder, the Ted Williams League is very uh, innovative in its equipment and design and dimensions, and uh, it took the field in 1997, September 21st, and we have some very interesting things that we think can be very helpful to you if you're a parent or a coach or an administrator or a player in another league, and that's what this is all about. Uh, It's a book's worth of information. Um, I got so sick of trying to explain it to a parent in 10 minutes that we started to do various things. One thing we did is we created a YouTube presentation called Saving Youth Baseball. And you can watch that right now. The Ted Williams League, Ted Williams Baseball League on YouTube has a presentation that right now is 15 clips long that will detail exactly what we're talking about here in a very chronological and visual way for you. Uh, and this is a nice way to hear about us talking about the, the five divisions that we have on the field right now. And we're in the summer of 2021, and uh, that's where we are. So has anybody got anything to, you know, I want to kind of kick it off. And I, I, we, we're using what we call free-for-all format. I, yeah, I don't want it to be scripted so much. I want the people in the room at the podcast to have fun. Remind you that if you want to email us, tedwilliamsleague at yahoo.com. You want to send us a Facebook me- message, Ted Williams Baseball League. We'll talk about your question. If you're like, what do you mean about the bases? I don't understand. We'll talk about it and uh, and make sure that you understand. That would be helpful for us too. But we are in and uh, in um, free-for-all form, so anyone can kind of bring something up and talk about it. I wanted to clarify something. In podcast one, I made the mistake saying we had seven- and eight-year-olds that were averaging 1.5 walks a game. Well, (laughs) any uh, college coach would be thrilled with that. Um, I meant 1.5 walks per inning is what we had. And uh, just last night with... um, Ben Catton and Dylan McDonald were on the field with our seven and eight year olds, and the last time we had them on Wednesday, uh, they pitched terribly. Walk, 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 and we got them back together. And we reminded them that they have to slow the ball down, to slow the ball down. That speed versus accuracy. We slow it down. We're going to get the ball a little bit more over the plate. It'll make the hitter offensive. And guess what? Little hitters don't hit all that well. Last night they pitched great. That little Frankie Flynn kid, boy, he got in trouble with the first batter, and then he just brought it right down the middle over and over again and looked fantastic. And uh, all the boys that went out there, I was really impressed with. And to give you an idea, they're pitching to a 14-inch plate. These are 7- and 8-year-old boys, um, but they were instructed well and motivated to slow the ball down and get the hitter to hit the ball and to stay away from walks, the worst thing that can happen to any pitcher. So I wanted to say that 
And uh, I'll kind of, anybody else, does somebody want to jump in with something? Uh, well, my favorite part from this week. Ladies and gentlemen, so Matt Marini. I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> Podcast One, you don't know who these people are. This is Matt. I'm sorry, Matt. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. My, um, my favorite part from the week uh, so far this week was on Tuesday. We were coaching, you and me, we're coaching A Division, which, what's the average age in that division, would you say? Like 11 Eleven, twelve, eleven, twelve. Yeah, and they they use the smaller, slightly smaller baseball that we uh, have for some of our divisions. And Steve, you asked them, uh, what's the biggest difference between this league and other leagues you play in? And naturally, you'd expect them to say the ball almost immediately, but instead they said pretty much everything besides the ball. And what they were saying was were things that are results of the smaller ball, like more balls put in play, better plays made on the field, and more concise and correct baseball being played compared to other leagues. You know, absolutely awesome topic, because what you're really talking about here is exactly why we're doing the podcast, because people are looking at this, even the players themselves, even yourselves when you were younger did not realize what was causing the results that were coming about. So you think these boys would say, oh, the ball is smaller, you know. Um, The bases are a little further back. The plate is a little smaller. Instead, they say, I don't know, there's a lot more action. I don't know, we're getting guys out. I don't know, you know, know, we're pitching better. And all these things are a result of, think of, you know, making the baseball stew. you got a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this. And that's what makes a good baseball stew. If you got the wrong amount of this and too much of that, not enough of this, you get a lousy baseball stew and everyone around it, parent, umpire, coach, administrator, suffers from that lousy stew. That's exactly what we're saying. We're saying, and let's be clear about this that other leagues do not have the right scaling, the right ingredients of youth baseball. And this is not to be confused with, oh, we're putting Little League down or Babe Ruth or whatever. It's just the, just the reverse of that. Ted and I, when we sat down and started talking about this years ago, it was all about helping, helping them with things that were off the track. So that's a great point, Matt. Anybody got anything else? Don't be shy now. Speak right up. It's the Ted Williams League podcast. You at home. Have your... I got something, Steve. This is Charlie here. Um, is the game shorter because there's a lot more action? I wouldn't say the game is necessarily faster or shorter. I would say it's a lot more interesting because the, sh- the outfielder, say in a thumper division, he knows the ball can be hit to him at any time. Um, you know, the, the, the batter knows that uh, the ball is traveling a little bit slower because the plate is justified. Uh, you, what I mean is the plate is smaller and the pitcher has to sacrifice some speed for accuracy. And he knows he's going to be able to hit it, so he's offensive. The shortstop is ready because maybe they can turn the first double play of the season. Right. What you have is you have young ch- players getting exposed to this great American game designed properly, and that is what you have. I wouldn't say, I, yes, there are innings that fly by because 
little Frankie Flynn pitching the other night, and he's a, he's a riot too. He'll tell me if I get the wrong count too. No, it's three and one. It just turns at me if I make a mistake, if I'm off by a, a ball or something. No, 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 that's three and one. <laughs> but uh, and he's you know he's only about you know comes up to about my waist and he's looking up at me you know. Um, but he they they weren't all call strikes. These kids were swinging at the ball because it was hittable but it was controlled very well, and he did a fantastic job. So that's what we, we, we just have the right ingredients, and it's more enjoyable, and all, all these good things come from it. But it's very hard to see, very difficult. These little boys couldn't see it, and a lot of the parents are saying it's just another baseball game. No, sir, it is not. Anybody got something well, else? Well, that's the difference between the, the parents and the, the players right there. I've... In my opinion, the parents, if you ask them what's different, like matches brought up in, in A Division, the parents would immediately go to the ball and they start talking about the ball, but they are less likely to talk about everything else that the kids talked about. And that's the difference. And while that's a really good thing and it makes me feel really good, the main issue with that is it's just the amount of players that we have down at the field. And it's something that is an issue because... Even these kids that are down at the field, they're taking all of that, what they're getting out of this place, and they're taking it somewhere else. They go to Little League, they go to AAU, and then they're, they're going back to that Major League size ball, and they're going back to those dimensions. And then you see them come back next week, and it's like all of their, their playing ability has like spiraled downwards. And I think, Steve, you could agree with me. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny you say that because it, it's kind of like uh, the frog in the well. There's an, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this analogy, but yeah, I'm, this is going back to my mother and father. They say, well, you know, it's like a frog in the well. You know, you come up three and you slide back two. And the next day you come up three and you slide back two. So you're only gaining about one step at a time. You come up two and slide back three or whatever. Come up three and slide back two. So you, you're not, you gain a lot and then you go backwards. I've said for years, and I mean years now, from before most of you were born, that I would tie the shoes and someone would untie them. I would tie the shoes and someone would untie them. And that's exactly how I feel. And what's sad about that is, and, let, and, and I hope you can latch on to this if you're a coach. I'll give you a couple of scenarios. you got a really good coach, say, over in, um, we'll say Hanover, my hometown. Really good coach in Hanover. What I'm saying to you is in the dimensions he's in, whether it be Ripken or Little League or AAU, that coach is running on half his cylinders. He's half as good as he could be as he is because of the environment he's in. You can't teach a kid to hit off the wrong plate. You can't teach a kid to pitch on the wrong plate. You can, but you're not going to get the results of baseball. It'll look like baseball, but it's not baseball. In one of these present one of these presentations on YouTube, I drew an analogy where I said, Can you imagine a toy? I used a Barbie doll. Can you imagine if this Barbie doll had a woman sized nose on it? You wouldn't think it was a good looking doll at all. You certainly wouldn't give it to your kid under a Christmas tree. It would look like a freak show. And this is what I'm saying. If you if parts of the game are out of scale, you don't have the game. The way the, you don't have a, a scaled down version of the mother game. So that's one thing. 
Then the umpire, he he's can walk, 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 and I'm opening the zone. So he starts to get watered down. He's told to open the zone, as we talked about in, uh, in uh, podcast one. And then the poor kid, he's trying to fit into all this with a game that perhaps his father or grandfather loved, and he wants to traditionally fit into... Uh, you know, it's the you know the Tom Sawyer thing. He wants to be in a you know an American boy. You know the Huckleberry Finn. You know uh, historical American boy. You got to play baseball, and I'm saying it's not baseball at all. And I say this: prove me wrong. I have, I have someone telling me one time, "Well, you know, you're telling all these people everything that's wrong with the game." Okay, well, tell me what's wrong with what I'm saying. No takers there, though. I well, Ted tried. He said this is the best damn thing I ever seen. After he tried to prove it wrong from every angle, and he could not, and he said, "Put my name on it." it was really something. That was hard work. If you you know hard work to get that guy to listen to me, number one, and to really put his head on it and say, "Boy, this is something," and it is. I'm sorry. You can hear. Yeah, I'm I'm prone to rant. So Charlie, you got the paper rolled up. You're gonna have to actually hit me in one of these. It'll be good. <laughs> well, know? well, I think just to like bounce off of what you said. Because everything's so out of dimension, there's also like drastic rule changes in Little League that don't even exist in the actual mother game. Like stealing and leading. Leading doesn't even exist in Little League. Mm-hmm. And the concept of stealing doesn't even happen until the catcher catches the ball, I believe. Well, you, got, you guys saw one of the things that we've noticed in, from Thumper. Now, Thumper is average age like 9, 10-ish. Thumper A, double A2, double A2 runs up to like 15, and then we get to our men's division. And by the way, Ryan and Dylan and Matt are active players in our teenage men's division, which we'll talk about as well. Um, The running game is a nightmare. Not only do the runners not know how to, like, steal or lead or anything like that, the defense does not know how to hold them or try to go after them. They... The, the relationship between the defense and the runner is completely different than what it'll be in high school. And that's a shame. And this morning we had a great practice at a double-A-2 division level, and we threw a couple of guys out at second. We worked on the first and third. And they thought, you know, they were on the moon doing it. They really didn't understand it all, but they had it presented to them at a very high level, and they actually grasped onto it and started to understand, oh, if I hold this runner at first, the catcher's going to have a crack at him. And if the catcher is in decent, what I call, runner position and can get his arm in a decent throwing slot and so on and so forth, and if we can set high and drag step and so on and so forth, all the upper level nuances of the game, then young boys can learn them and have them for the rest of their life. But not in the wrong dimensions. Forget it. We can't even approach those subjects. It's not only the dimensions, though. You can just tell that these kids, they don't practice enough. I mean, attendance has been an issue all summer for us. Uh, and it's not only that. It's they don't, like you said, they don't know the, the infield positioning. They don't know. They can't even get the ball down a second, getting the runner out on a steal. Well, it's, well, you know, let's do this. This has been going on for 70 years. Now, some will say, well, it's still baseball. There's so many kids playing and blah, blah, blah. Well, the truth of the matter is they all quit at 13. It's right. like 70 to 75%. I said, forget this. I'm done with this. And I understand that. 
you know, if I, I was a fairly strong player and I survived and it was the center of my older brother's heart. He loved the game and he basically told me, you're playing. And, he, you know, it, it's almost like to not play baseball would have been to kind of let him down. But after a while... I fell in love with the game myself, and I continued to, I actually outplayed him. I played much longer than he did and, and you know, built a career in it. But um, uh, for most people, I think the game is boring. It is presented terribly from t-ball up. And uh, as a result, kids, when they get a little older and they start making their own decisions, they're like, no, I don't want, I don't like, I don't like that. And I don't blame them. That's what I said in podcast one. I'm afraid of getting hit by a lightning bolt. The game's boring enough as it is. You take all the fun out of it, kids don't want to play. You know? And also, one of my favorite plays that happened today was we had Brady in AA2 on first base. He's one of the better runners in the entire program. And we had our new boy today, Jonah, on the hill. And... Jonah, I believe, threw over to first base at least two or three times before he even threw the first pitch. Yep. And and this was in our drill, our stealing drill, first and third. Yep. And then after Brady stole second base, he made it because of a bad throw from the catcher. But he said to me, I was around the shortstop area, he said to me, man, he threw over six times. I mean, I, I don't know what the point of that was. And I said, well, good. That was probably the hardest stolen base he's ever gotten in his entire career. Yeah, and we, and, and we almost got him. Right. And, you know, we had a crack at him, and this is what I'm saying. So let's take it. If we build off of that. So he's saying, why would you throw over here? Why, why are you coming after me? And, of course, I'm saying back to the kids, throw the ball over there. What if I throw it away? Well, if you throw it away, you throw it away. You're never going to get good at it. Right. You're never going to become a good dribbler unless you dribble off your foot a hundred times with your head up. You, you know, I'm you know doing a basketball analogy. You know, you've got to eventually lift your head and not hold, not handle the puck with your head down for the rest of your life. You've got to lift your head up to find the guys you're going to pass to, so on and so forth. So throw the ball, and that's another thing that you know that's exciting because, you know, um, in the other game, uh, everything is based on I think. You know, being careful. Don't throw it around. Be careful. You see that in the cutoff system. Oh, well, in the Ted Williams League, what I'm saying is go ahead and throw the ball because you're going to get up and you're going to hit the ball and you're going to stress the defense as well. So go ahead. It's your turn to try to defend, and soon you'll be hitting the ball. And what I'm saying is at at a young kid's age, there should be more balls put in play, there should be more balls hit, and there should be more balls defended against. And that's exactly what does not happen in the other leagues. They're overthrowing the ball to a big zone. The hitters don't hit as well. And the defense is bored to tears and all the stuff. We're talking about the intricate, I don't even call it intricate, but the the fundamentals of the running game in relation to the defense is non-existent in, in, in other formats. Because, going back to that coach in Hanover, you can't teach him if it can't be done. If you know, if you know what I'm saying. Who else gets? Who else? Rye, this making any sense to you? Rye's a lefty, by the way. We're gonna yeah, put you on I alert. Think, uh, he talks left-handed too. I think one good example of what we just talked about was this week. I was filling in, playing third base in our A division, and I knew we had a shot to throw a guy out at third base, and the kid had a pretty good lead. He was almost halfway down the baseline at some points. 
but I could not get the catcher to throw the ball down to third base. He was on second. The runner's on second. No, the runner was on third. Oh, oh, oh I get you. Always oh, bouncing down the, the lounge. Yeah, 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 you're bouncing clown. Yeah. And I could not get the catcher to third on the third because in other leagues he doesn't think it's possible and he doesn't trust the people on the other end to make the play. And even though all that can be done, they just don't think they can do it. Right. You know what's interesting? Today at AA2 practice, we worked on that. We talked about pregame communication and that the third baseman would be able to signal the catcher in such a way what I call on the radio with an audio signal and then the catcher would look at him and then he'd confirm it with some sort of a a, a visual signal like he might say something like uh, you know um you know come on boomer you know block and block that ball back there and now say boom as the catcher he looks the third the third baseman picks his sleeve of his shirt a little bit and that means next pitch let's go after this guy because he's down the line more than he should be uh and they were like fascinated by that right they didn't yeah. do a good job of it but they're like oh and then <laughs> and i said well you can't you know the coach can't make a trip and you can't say oh time out let's go talk about this because the minute you do that the third baseman's going to be like okay they're going to try to pick me off and now it's you can't do it anymore it's got to be a subtle pre-game or at least pre-inning conversation of some sort right and i there's also a lot of it was very interesting there was a lot of mid-inning conversations not just about runners but about signs between yeah. the catcher and pitcher yeah. the the communication in the game as a whole in that division went up a whole notch today from the stuff we did yeah yeah it was really interesting to explain to them that they have to communicate and um and they did and it was fun to it was fun to see what was really disappointing is we have several players in that division that are really good, and none of them could throw strikes. And to me, this is just a result of, let's say the average age of AA2 is 13. So from age 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 6 years or 5 years of improper strike zone batter relationship, I'll call it. And wrong plate, wrong arm, wrong bat. They think that pitching is throwing the ball hard to a zone that's being opened up by the umpire. That's the last thing pitching is. Pitching, defined by some of the greatest pitches in the world, is the upset of the hitter's timing by throwing the ball in or around the strike zone. That's what, say, Sandy Koufax might say to you, or um, someone like, um, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, I don't know. Any, any great pitcher you want to pick, you know. Um, I know that I was very close to Daryl Brandon, who pitched with, you know, played with Calvary Skremski. He had, worked, he had uh, moved to Hanover, and he was a great guy. And I got to the, the, I had the honor of listening to him talk about pitching. And I wouldn't say he was a great pitcher, but he certainly wasn't by my standards. He had come from the Phillies right to Hanover and would come out and pitch me batting practice and you know, I remember the first day pitching back in batting practice. I said, "Man, I got I got to practice a lot harder because he blew me away." You know, a week before that he was pitching in the major leagues, and now he's pitching to me at Hanover High School um, because he heard I was really into it. You know, I was a college player at the time, and um, but he used to say, "Pitchers got to throw strikes," and well, there's a way to throw strikes and a way not. And I'll say this: you're going to have to have the right strike zone. 
which means a plate that, that is suiting to the boys' arms and bats, which we have at every level. We have that from five years old to adult. We play with three different plates. And this is extremely important. So our pitchers learn to pitch correctly from the first time they pick up a ball. And I'm saying that other pitchers do not, and that shows up. And they get to high school, and now they're going to high school trying to blow the ball by people. And guess what? Now the arms are just, they're, they're, they're man-sized players now. And the plate is correct, and they, they got their BB core bats 34 inches long, their arms are long. And guess what? They try to blow it by them, and it's, they're 60 feet away, and they don't blow it by anybody. Because they don't know what pitching is. I, I was that kid. I was the little league kid that would strike out 10 and walk 10. And I got to high school, and the coach said, you pitch? And I said, yeah. And I wasn't a very good pitcher at all. I met Daryl Brandon, and I started to understand what pitching was a little bit more, and I, I got a lot better at it. I had no idea what pitching was at all. Completely uh, off my definition of it was total terrible. Um, anyway. Well, what's funny is that we see that in, like, every division, all the way up to the division that, that me, Ryan, and Dylan play in. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and just on our team alone, we're, all three of us are on the same team. And we have, we had many pitchers in our first game throw the ball as hard as they could. Yep. And walk three guys in a row. And by league rule, they were taking it out of the game. Yep. Then we put Ryan in, who has been working with you ever since he was like at least five years old. And, and he's, he's fifty now. <laughs> and, Are you eighteen, Ryan? Yes. Eighteen. Senior. He, that's right, senior. And he, and he threw strikes. Yep. Some batters struck out. Some batters put it in play, and when they put it in play, they usually got out. Yep. And we had two scoreless innings when we had Ryan in. You know, not to pick on him, but let's jump. Well, what's his name? Tom. All right. Let's get Tom. I hope you're listening. Okay. So let's jump over to Tom. Now here's a left. He's a lefty, right? Yeah. Left-handed pitcher. He's got a really good arm, and he loves the game, and he's all over the place. He just cannot get in the zone. Now, you've got to wonder how that happened. Here's a boy that has the ability to be one of the best pitchers in that league, but he cannot control the ball. Now, he's doing better, but boy, if he could just get the ball in the zone. And what I'm saying is, let's say he gets no coaching at all. If he's in Ted Williams' league rule from the time he's five, he knows he has to throw the ball away, or like Matt said, we're gonna. He's got to throw the ball in the zone, or we're gonna take it away from you. And that's another thing that doesn't happen. Ted Williams' league rule will say, if you don't throw strikes, we're not gonna wait on you all day. We're gonna try to find somebody else. We're not gonna do that. And I think everyone should have a sense of pitching. Every boy, young boy that plays this game, should have a sense of pitching. I told the story today because I had. Two of my good friends, Seth and Noel Fatazio, come down with their son that was going to start up with us. And I had reminded them of my good friend Scott Motto, and he got stuck, you know, somewhere about, I don't know, I want to say he was maybe a teenager, and they didn't have a pitcher. And they said, Scott, you think you can throw? They gave him the ball, he threw strikes and blew everybody away. He had a decent arm, he was a cucumber, cool as a cucumber, things didn't bother him at all. I don't think he was awake half the time. But he could throw strikes, and he and so he was like, I don't pitch. They gave him the ball, and I think he gave up one run in like six or seven innings. So I think everyone, sh 
should think about pitching because they have the wrong opinion of what it is right from the start. You can throw strikes, you should go out to that mound and fiddle with it a little bit. You might surprise yourself and everybody around you. What do you think, Chad? One of my biggest oh. regrets for my playing career is when I when I came up playing in the Ted Williams League, I I was a pitcher. I pitched in kid division, thumper division, A division, and then I sort of went into other leagues as well, and I faded away from pitching. And that's probably my biggest regret in my playing career was I feel like I should have stuck to pitching myself because I don't I don't practice it enough now. In, in high school, I didn't practice it enough because I played third, I played outfield. So I don't really know like how to throw a curveball, a slider. Like I can throw a changeup and a fastball, but that's pretty much it. But it's funny because I would consider that first game in Double A is sort of like a pitching tryout for us because <laughs> it, it was, it was a, yeah, it was a total walk fest. Right, you made it. <laughs> and then I, I had to come in and pitch. And what's funny about that was I didn't walk a single batter. I pitched like yeah. an inning and a half, and I would say I threw ninety to ninety-five percent strikes, and that it felt really good to me. You know, I I actually was throwing the ball a little bit too. I put a little bit on it, but. It just shows that people, they're not being taught, these kids are not being taught to throw correctly because I just go right over the top. I, as other people refer to as over the top, I go right over the top, uh, keep my elbow up, my elbow as tight as my ear, and pump the zone every time. But you have guys who, they bring their elbows down, their elbows are out to the side, they're taught to throw a submarine or however well, the you know, they're being taught to throw. I, I think you had brought this up in podcast one where you were talking about the man-sized ball and which I, and I use the term how they're kind of lugging it. Like they, they get it down low because it's so heavy and, the, and uh, they um, have to rush because the bases are sh- so short. It's a rushed, heavy throw. And their arms stay in that slot forever. Until someone, I mean, how many times have you heard me say, get your elbow up? I'm on Ben Katnabah. Ben, get your elbow. He's a really good young player. Get your elbow up. His elbow's starting to drop down. Now, I don't know why necessarily. He was telling me his arm was bothering a little bit. I said, get your elbow up. Because a low elbow is not a good thing. And um, But I think that it starts from the heavy ball and the short dimensions, you know. let's. T- I, I, one of the things I do want to talk about, I want to talk about the two biggest um, standout dimensions that freak me out. One is the short bases in Little League, 60 feet, when nobody, you can't throw a runner out at second, you know, the, if he was taking a lead. This is where that the uh, run, the uh, rule you're talking about is you can't steal until the ball enters the zone or the catcher touches it. They try to change the rules to fix the game, to fix what was really wrong. And, you know, a ground ball to a third base, the guy bobbles it, safe. That's an average runner. Um, forget the double play. Forget it. No one's going from second over to first unless the ball is scorched and the two guys are playing the piano, not only carrying it, that are running the bases. Forget it. There is not going to be anything, any double plays through the mid-infield. So all these plays are just gone because the bases are too shot. That's the first thing that is absolutely absurd in the youth game, and it's been there for half a century or more. Now the Ripken division, there's flexibility in Babe Ruth where you can go to 50-70. I was talking to one of the local presidents, and he was saying, oh, Ripken division, you can 
you have the option of playing 5070. Now, in my opinion, this is, you know, 12, 11, 12 years old or whatever. 70 is still too short. They've still got the man-sized ball. If they went to the smaller ball, we're 5075. And we've been there for, since 1997. So this is nothing new to us. But you give them that smaller ball, they can throw that ball across the diamond at 75 feet, and all the plays are very possible. Case in point. Now, I don't know his last name off the top of the head, my head, but one of the kids that I'm very fond of this year, his name is Zach. He's got a bunch of hair. I like to buy half of it off him. He was playing third base in the A division. Ground ball hit to him, picks it up. This is his first year playing baseball. Now, he's got the, the smaller ball. He's on 75 feet, throws it all the way across the diamond, out. Now, that's a big deal for him. You might have remembered me talking about the same boy... I didn't use his name, at second base, and he had got a guy out at first. Charged the ball, blocked it, made the throw. Now, a week later, he throws a guy out and he's playing third base all the way across the diamond. And i got to believe that that boy never would have made that play in Little League rule. And then what happens to him? He's 12 years old, close to 13. I don't want to play anymore. I quit. I see him getting very excited about the game as opposed to moving away from it. And had his arm up in this kind of in what do we call what a decent arm route very very proud of him you know um yeah let's talk about some plays and players i kind of wanted to do that a little bit and i know uh charlie this is hot for you because you're not down the field but um let me think you know how about this boy you guys know who i'm talking about i also i believe i think he's a thumper division player or am i no no he's an a division player Andrew Amaro. You know who I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. The left-handed pitcher, I believe. Yes. This kid, I talked to him two weeks ago about getting his arms in tight. He's hit the ball really well. He's really coming along, putting the ball in play. The first few days, he had struck out a few times. He was kind of sweeping. He was really late. And what's really nice about this is having a little hitting lecture with these guys and then letting them go into the proper dimensions with good instruction to then experiment. Boy, if there was a word Ted loved, it was experiment. To go ahead and listen to a bunch of coaches that really know something and then take that advice into good dimensions. This is what the guy I was talking about in Hanover or Abington or Drake or, or Los Angeles the advantage he does not have. you got this good coach who's going out to the field in the wrong dimensions, and that's robbing the child of this experience with this great game. That's what I'm saying. This boy, just, you know, I go down there and I say, wow, this is something. And this attendance thing, that does bother me, but it is the summer, and just for everybody to understand what we're doing is we have all these divisions on the field, and we told the parents, if you can't make it all time, it's fine. We understand it's vacation time and all. But I'm looking at it, and we're looking at it, and it's going really good. And then a couple of kids, you know, three, four families go on vacation, and then the numbers drop, and you're like, oh, my God, this is going so good. Where, where are they? And then they all come back the next week, and it's just it's very difficult on the coaching staff because we're trying to make progress with something that they don't even really understand. And but they got now they're going to you know North Carolina for a week. Oh, that's that's yeah, that's vacation, you know. So it's frustrating on us. What else? Um, I believe that the same kid, if Andrew, he was pitching, 
and he threw like six uh, balls in a row up in the zone. There were there were balls, and then you gave him a basic lecture on what you call the wheels yeah. of pitching, and he got the next three in a row down and struck out the kid. Yeah, yeah, that that yeah, and there's another thing too. You know, it it just it you just can coach better inside these dimensions. And, you know, what I'll say is, and, and, and I know this is tough to swallow, but um, I'm saying you're not playing baseball at all. And, you know, and, and someone's hearing this, I know, uh, you know, in California or in Arizona, said, listen to this cocky, you know, and I really don't mean it like that. I mean it more like for you to benefit from it. And I know it sounds hard to hear someone say, that it's incorrect, but it is. And I was talking to a, a friend of mine the other day who's a, a, a higher up in a local league, and he said, it is what it is. And I said, well, no. Well, maybe it is what it is, but someone has to stand up and fight for what's better. And, you know, that's the American way. And I know Ted, Ted wasn't an easy sell on this, but once he could see it, he was thrilled about it. He was thrilled. Well, he spoke live at opening day you know, over the PA system, which is from Florida, which was really cool. Anyway, what do you think? How do we get, how do people get in touch with you, Steve? Oh, good one. Yeah, well, you can, you know, Ted Williams Baseball League on Facebook, um, Ted Williams League at yahoo.com. Um, our website is under construction. We really got to apologize, but after 30 years, we said we're going to redo this whole thing. We're going to get an online store. We're going to get something that can house all these podcasts and the presentation. And it's just going to take some time to get all that right because right now we're up to our ears teaching baseball. We have a summer camp coming up in a week. We're going to do two weeks of that. And of course, the camp is the main sponsor of the league. That's my baseball camp. And you can get all this information the same way, you know, emailing us or our Facebook page is a great stand in, you know, for now. Hey, let's jump to double A for a little bit. Let's just talk about double A. Now, a double A division is really cool. A couple of rules I want to say about that. We have um, basic pitching rules, which means, you know, guys that can pitch a couple of innings. And then they got to go to somebody else. You can't pitch, you know, you, you know, two innings, two innings, two innings, something like that. You know. We also have a lock continuous lineup. You cannot sit out more than an inning in a row. Now the average age of this division, to give you an idea, is like, I'm going to say 24, or 25. There are some really good players in it. Yeah, it's it's is a bunch of college players in it. A lot of really good high school players. And then you got some guys that just with a bunch of rust on them that were real good players that just come out of nowhere. Or guys that are fairly athletic and were like, hey, I want to play baseball. As long as you're not in danger, we draft you on a team, we put your butt out there. This division's been on the field for 25 years. You could, I couldn't get rid of it if I wanted to. It is so much fun. Some of the games are outstanding. Some of the baseball is, uh, you could hear a pin drop. It's so intense. And what I, what I like about it is, and with Chris Collier, Collier, who has been a huge help with it over the years, um, here's a guy that does, couldn't break a, a pane of glass with a fastball. He's extremely successful, although he did get lit last game. They lit him up good. But he has been one of the most successful pitchers in that league by just moving the ball around and changing speeds. Oh, my God, just hitting every gear you can imagine. 
um, from a couple of different pitching motions, by the way. And he's terrorized a lot of hitters in that league, just walk away from him shaking the head. But he said one of the greatest things about double-A, that's our double-A division, is you're playing. You come the game, you're playing. There's no politics. There's no click. As a matter of fact, if I'm umpire and I see that you're on the bench two innings in a row, I'm like, are you hurt? I'm, I'm on you. Are you hurt? Yeah, you know, I remember one guy said, well, yeah, I was just a little tired. I said, I don't care if you're tired or not. Are you sick? You know, what's, what's the problem? Get out there. Because <laughs> you know, uh, that's what we do here. This is based on activity, not on, uh, you know, I'm not going to you know, bring your lounge chair the next game. You know, that sort of thing. We don't believe in it. And, you know, we try to play a clean game. We don't put up with any, you know, crap. You know, we, you know any coconuts, we send them packing. I don't believe in that. And Ted liked that, too, you know. We you're going to come here, you're going to play. You know, we don't have a lot of swear. We're no hotheads. You play the game. You talk with your bat, your glove, your arm. Shut up. That sort of thing. And, and I like that. I really do. Anybody else? I'm really excited for AA in the next few years as well because our AA2 division, which is the 13- and 14-year-olds, we've gotten a lot of interest this year. We've gotten a lot more players this year in our division. And... The next few years, they're all going to go up into double-A, which is really exciting. Uh, this is my first year as a captain in double-A, and I must say, it's really optimistic to see because I feel like this year, compared to every other year, I'm 20 right now, I've been playing in double-A since I was 15, I feel like th this year, is the it's been the hardest year for me to compete in that league with all the other guys. Uh, we did a really good job recruiting players this summer, and... It's it's really exciting. It, it just feels like it's really intense. Uh, the teams, I feel like, are really good this year, better than years before. We have a lot more college kids. And I, my team is 11 out of the 15 guys are all new to the league, which is, which is really cool. It's been tough for us, that's for sure, because uh, we have some younger guys. We have some players who haven't played in a few years. And we have some guys who are just willing to compete, but at the same time, we're just we need a lot more practice. You're you're, you're building. Yeah, we're, you're building, we're building a franchise. Building. That's it. Yeah, yeah, you're building a franchise. Is what's going on in uh And I'll tell you, it's been a pleasure because you guys have played some really good innings. And of course, you're playing against guys who have you know a lot more experience, and some of them are really really good players. And uh, they're going to find all, uh, all the places and take advantage of you. But I feel like you guys are following along. And uh, you've had some really, really good... Uh, that's a long... I've been on the field today. <laughs> I'll tell you. But you've had some really good innings and uh, been in, you know, uh, most of the games. I mean, last game was a little rough. You know, you get jumped on early. But but uh, you've got, you guys have played some really good innings. And I think you... Uh, it's a, it's a, you know we get we're early in the season it'll be interesting to see I'll bet you you're gonna put uh, you're gonna stick it to somebody somewhere here real close it's coming it's really coming you know and you had a bet you practice you had batting practice today with your team which is fantastic you know Charlie what do you think what do you, you know I, it sounds great to me um, I know you said that I'm not really involved down the field because I'm doing other things and working and so forth but it's what's going through my mind at the moment. Is the, like you said, building, building for the next year or the next uh, level of play, 
it's going to take a long time. Now, question I'm, I'm thinking in my mind is right now is do some of these players that are coming in that you really don't know them, and you put them in a position, and they try to do you know play in that position. Do they do they do well, or you say by looking at them, no, I think you'd be better playing at this position than the way you're playing now. Well, at the older levels, they kind of they usually know what they they can do and what they can't. At the younger levels, we say we want you to do what you like. So say, you know, double A2, you know, 13, 14, and we want you to do what you like, and then we'll advise them. You know, like um, meeting, um, uh, I had three men at the field today that I coached. I remember they were teenagers, and now they have boys of their own, and um, or nephews of their own. And the two of those boys were on the field, and one boy, he catches a little bit, but he doesn't like it. He really wants to play first. So I said, Tyson, go play first. Don't catch. Now, you know, down the road, he might say, well, maybe I should give catching another chance. But I don't think anyone's going to try at anything they don't like to do. I like music. I always like to play the drums. I like to play the guitar. My father was a really good, who I never knew, was a really good piano player. And I, and I play around with that a little bit because I like to do it. If I didn't like it, I wouldn't do it at all. And I believe that's true in baseball. And, um, you know, so, okay, so now a boy's playing and he's, he's now he's get to his objective and he's going to play high school ball. Then maybe someone like myself or, or the league that, that talks about it can say, you know something, Billy or Joey or Frankie, you know, I really see you more as a mid-infielder. You have the ability to play shortstop and second base. Would you like to try that? Because I think you can do that better than anything else. Really, Coach? Yeah, I do. Why don't you give it a shot? All of a sudden, he goes there and he kind of feels, oh, wow, I am good at this. And I think we start advising at about that age. But I think to get someone, especially after the experience they've gone through from five years old and on, to get them to love the game, you should leave them at a place that they actually like where they, you have gone through, what I, as we said earlier, an ill presentation. I do want to talk about one more thing, and I want your guy, you guys' opinion on it. Having these two of these men down here, one question goes up, Steve, I'm wondering why you play with wooden bats. So, here's why we play with wooden bats. Probably, well, one explanation of it. When you get to high school, at least in our part of the country, they have this thing called BB call, which is drop three only. So that means, my understanding of that, is that, because I don't coach in high school, is that if you have a 34-inch bat, it has to, it can't be any less than 31 ounces. So 34, drop 3, 31. It can't be 30, 31. You could have a 35-inch bat that was 32, although I think that would be a hard bat to find these days, which I think is a mistake, by the way. So that's what we call a drop 3. Now a wooden bat, on an average... A wooden bat is probably drop three, drop two-ish, maybe even drop one-ish, which is a little hotter than a high school bat if you're following what I'm saying. If I've got a 30-inch bat or a 32-inch bat that weighs 30 ounces, that's not drop three, it's drop two. Well, if the objective for a nine-year-old or a 12-year-old is to make the high school team, which is all I ever say to them, I've been saying that, but... 38 years at my camp. You're trying to get on that high school team. That's the best thing you can possibly think of. And then from there, 
we'll shuffle the deck again. You've got to make that high school team. Okay, well, then if you're playing with Wood from the age 9, you're going to have, when they hand you that BB book core bat, you're going to be like, no problem whatsoever. If you're playing in these space shuttle leagues, which is what I call space shuttle bats, drop 8 and 10 and everything else, you know, bats that are 30 inches long that weigh 20 ounces. And I've seen these bats. I don't know what the rule is today. I know the rules have changed at the expense of poor mothers and fathers paying for this crap, in my opinion. It's nothing but crap. It's a, the biggest Band-Aid ever put on all the, most, a lot of the problems, at least the justification of the plate. They tried to fix it with the bat and make you pay for it. Well, if you're playing with a 30-inch a bat that's drop 8 and weighs 22 ounces, and you're doing that for four or five years, <laughs> Once, when you get to high school and you're handed a BB core bat, you best have a real good understanding of your swing and timing, or you're going to get eaten alive. And that's exactly what happens. So if you're not, if you're Andrew Amaro, you know, who just comes to mind, because I just love this kid. And the other ones, too. There's a kid on that team named DiMaggio, who's fantastic. Chloe, Josh Kennison. There's a bunch of them out there. They're great kids. Cole uh, Silvestro, his brother, his cousin, uh, uh, Logan, had a beautiful hit today to right field to win the game. A little two-strike stroke, hit it just right. Pop! It was beautiful. But, you know, you got to uh, uh, understand uh, these bats and how you're swinging them. And if you're playing in, in Ted Williams League rule with a wooden bat, when you get to high school, you're going you're gonna to feel like a duck in water. And that's why we use those bats. And I was really glad that I was asked that question today because that's a really good way of explaining it. So what's happening if you're doing the other thing? And your boy said in high school, What's, what, what, what road are you on if you're playing in an AAU team with drop six bats and all? What is it? And you're paying $3,500 a year to play 50 games on the wrong plate with the wrong bat. What is it you're actually doing for your child to try out for that first high school team? Maybe you're setting him up to fail and you don't even know it. And God knows he don't. Maybe. Prove me wrong. That's what I'm saying. Prove me wrong. Anyway, these I hope these are some ideas for you. We actually, guys, have ran way longer than podcast one, if I'm right here. Let me see this. What is the clock? This is almost an hour long. I don't even know if we can do this. This might have to be a two-part series. Tell you the truth, I'm not sure that you can run them an hour. Can you? Can you run a podcast longer than 30 minutes oh, yeah. or so? Yeah. Oh, okay, so yeah. we can blab. All right, so if that's the case, see, I'm not good at any of this, you know. When I went to school, the desk still had inkwells in it from, like, dipping your pen with a feather on it. That's the truth. Now, I didn't have no feather on my pen, but that's a fact. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, these, these suckers were left over from Sam Adams and sh- <laughs> that's a quill swear pen you're talking about. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, that thing. Quill pen. Quilt. You saying quilt or quill? I don't know. I don't even know the word. You know? But that's the truth. So when we start talking about podcasts and YouTube, and I'm just trying to hang in there, you know, Ted would be like, what are you talking about? Get out of my face. <laughs> you know? Does anyone have anything else to say to kind of wrap this well, up? Let or me you? ask you, Coach. So today is the last day of July. We're heading into August. And I would say the TWL season as a whole is more than halfway over as we're approaching the fall. 
how do you think this year has gone all together compared to years years past? You know, because last year we there wasn't really much happening because of COVID, and the year before we had the camp all summer rather than the Ted Williams League. Yeah. So, I, I how do you feel the current status is of the league right now? I think that I think that we have come to realize that in regard to what the campaign that we're on, which is to try to you know, to try to excite other towns or other organizations to saying, hey, you know, we want to try this. You know, just because you're playing Babe Ruth doesn't mean you can't say, hey, you know, can we play, can we enter a team in the Ted Williams League? We can play Babe Ruth and enter a team in the Ted Williams League. And then, you know, you don't have to, you know, you can try it. That's what this podcast is about. You can you can come over and play us if you're local, you know, and um, and get a sense of what I'm talking about here. Uh, we'd love to have you, okay? But um, what we've realized is the summer is the most important time to get people to think about this because a lot of the kids aren't playing. They've stopped playing. You know, they're not all-stars. Uh, they're not playing. Uh, you know, AAU has come to a halt for the most part. Uh and some of these all-star teams, if the kid's not on it, then there's no more baseball. And that has exposed a lot more kids to our program. And I, I really, what's, the, the reason for it is because of COVID, we've been able to shift our schedule a little bit, is probably the best way to say it, and allow more kids to come onto the field. I think it's been fantastic. I've got really excited about the Ted Williams. We've ran a morning program. So kids will be playing in the morning, uh, for the most part. We have well, one one division plays at night, or two divisions at night. Our youngest kids and our oldest guys, you guys, are at night. But our uh, the the thick of it was in the morning, and it was really really exciting. We had a lot of kids out there, and I'm really excited about it. It was a great lesson, and it really came from COVID because without COVID, um, you know, the camp would have been running for ten weeks and you know, kind of the more of the same. And one of the things, just to end on that too, or just to say that, I, at my age now, having done this for so many years, after writing those two hitting books with Ted, that Ted forwarded, and well, I want to do a video series of Ted's hitting as his chosen successor, and um, I'm anxious to do that. But after all these years, I don't see any point in teaching any kid to go into an environment where... I tie the shoes and somebody unties them. Well, I teach my kid, you know, kids in the camp, how to turn the footwork on a double play or cut off alignment, things like this. Then they go into an environment where the ball doesn't even get hit. So they have all these tools, all this knowledge, and they can't use it because there's no action. The, 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 those leagues lack action. Uh, the running game, like we talked about earlier, is, it's just not there. You know, the, the, the relationship between the defense and the runner isn't really there the same way. Um, so I am excited about it because I think the camp and the league go together very, very well. You've got great instruction in the camp, and then that can be now demonstrated or activated or experienced properly in the Ted Williams League, and that's what I'm hoping. Like you said, the tying and the untying of shoes... Let me re-elaborate on that. It's it's not the coaches and these other... It's the dimensions that are untying the shoes. I agree. It's not the coaches. I agree 100%. I have, yeah. so I have respect for all the other coaches out there, 
Fair. Well, you won't get I'm, you won't get me there on that one. You, you should, because all these leagues have their share of bananas. I'll tell you oh, that. Oh, that's for sure. And the parents know what I mean. The other coaches are laughing. That's now. for sure. But you know. any of these, these what, if you're a good coach, in the opinion of say all the other parent, the baseball parents out there, yeah, if you're a good coach. Great coaches. They're right. You can come down, come play in the Ted Williams League, and you will be able to coach your team and your players to the fullest potential out there. Yep. Yeah, we. You know, it's funny you say that because remember, and I can't remember the guy's name. Because he's the nicest guy from Pembroke, come over, and he brought an eleven-year-old all-star team. I don't know if you guys remember this game, and the kids had a great time, and he was a really good coach, and the kids really enjoyed it, and they played with wood and our dimensions, our rules, and it was a nice time for everybody. Steve, one time you you were doing coaches clinics, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of got away from that because everybody knows everything. But, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. You think that uh, people would, you know, other coaches would say, gee, you know what? But I always found that only the best coaches in my area ever asked me anything. You know, I never, I remember Tom O'Connell, but rest his soul. He was a coach for Princeton. He was the uh, director of Ted Williams' camp, and he used to ask me questions. I remember Frankie Niles of South Shore Baseball. He was, would ask me questions about hitting and um uh, the best coaches in my area are the only ones. I remember Al Cassatley, who was a great coach for Noel High School. I'm not sure he's still alive at this point. And he asked me questions about baseball because he knew that these different men knew that I had put that much work into it where they wanted to know what was it that Ted Williams was so interested in in this young boy. And uh, and But the rest of the people, it's kind of funny, they never all really asked me much. I get the biggest kick out of that. Very few people ask me questions. But ask questions about the league, because I, I hope you guys are you're enjoying this, and we certainly are. Anybody got anything else else to Can add? Can you reiterate uh, re- how they get in touch with you again? Cause it's yeah, you will at Ted Williams League at yahoo.com or the Facebook page, Ted Williams Baseball League. Uh, is a good way to contact us right now. We'll have the website up soon enough, but it's only so many hours in a day. And to tell you the truth, it really hasn't made a difference. We have so many people coming, contacting us through Facebook. Uh, the, the website is really not a... It didn't even matter. We'll get it back up and running. And, and you maybe you can buy a T-shirt or something like that, you know, which will be cool. So anyway, uh, this has been the Ted Williams League Podcast. I'd like to thank Ryan, the lefty. He hasn't said much. Dylan McDonald, my old friend Charlie, Colin Balls, keeping us all in line here, making sure we don't step outside the lines. Matt Marini didn't bring any pizza tonight, but that's okay. I'm Steve Ferroli. This is the Ted Williams League Podcast. we like to thank you for listening. Hey, from Hanson, Massachusetts, get, get a good, good pitch to hit. Oh, we're going stereo. On you to spark up all my fun. Days at the playground or right out in the street. Baseball.